Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, that's Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we have a fourth presidential show lined up for you. Kate Arecki of James Madison University is on the show today, and we are thrilled to have her as our first BA representative on the show. We've talked before about that spectrum of BFA conservatory all the way to non-audition BA and everything in between. And here's an example of those audition-based BAs we talk about and a really great example at that. Uh, Today on the show, we talk about the flexibility that a BA allows. You can maybe double major, certainly minoring is possible. Um, We talk about the big school vibes of JMU and how they have too many acapella groups. Um, We talk about their non-prescreen video auditions and the sort of supplemental video that they um, ask for. And then we talk not for the first time and probably not for the last time about loving your material. But Megan, before we dive into the show with Kate, this is our last episode before May 1st, before National Decision Day. And you and me, we're creeping up on a year of podcasting. Oh my gosh. So a huge congrats to all of our students who are making their final decisions. A huge congrats to us for our podcasting. And maybe a huge fingers crossed to those who are still waiting on any waitlist movement. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my question to you, Megan. Have you ever been waitlisted in your life for something maybe non-college? I appreciate your heads up because when you first gave me the heads up of you were going to ask me this question, I was like, oh my God, what is it? It feels like waitlisted for performing life. Uh-huh. Like sometimes if you- Pinned. Like if you are the understudy or like, we love you, but we don't know where to put you. That almost feels like the mm-hmm. waitlist moment of performing life. But non-audition performing life waitlist moment would be, I've been waiting to get into this brunch spot in mm. Chicago mm. for months, months. Let's and give I them know- a shout out. Maybe they'll give you, they'll let you in if we say no, 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 shout them have, out on the pod. They have to sponsor us before. Oh, okay. I sponsor and then we let them in. Fair. Yeah, Fair. yeah, exactly, exactly. That's how that works. But I know that my friends are coming. My high school friends are visiting me in Chicago um, this summer, which I'm very excited about. And I have been looking on their website (laughs) until they release that July month of when they're going to come. So send me all your good vibes to get off that wait list. We'll give you good vibes and we'll give you some technique. What we teach with our students of how you keep in contact, how you're not overly present, but you're present in their inboxes. We'll talk about that a little bit maybe after. What about you, Charlie? Did you have a wait list moment, non-performing or college as such? 
the example that made me think of it, which I'm asking you is I've just recently am waitlisted for a new e-bike. There's a new Ooh. e-bike that I was interested in that I was like, oh God, now I'm on the waitlist for it. Oh man. Um, it made me empathize with all of our students. Not so quite as important as college, but yeah. You know. So you're not as sweaty meeting Leo for in-person meetings? Oh, if an e-bike, I won't be quite as sweaty. That's exactly true. He might, he might appreciate this. You should tell Leo and maybe he'll, he'll bump you up the list. <laughs> yeah, who will put in a good word. Um, <laughs> Megan let you a little behind the scenes of our pod and how we work in terms of, I was like, I was queuing her. Well, here's a question I might ask you, but I'm going to let you even more behind the scenes, my dear listeners, um, by giving you a CTA as we got call to action on the pod today. Um, many of you, uh, a lot of our listeners who are seniors and are graduating will sometimes ask like what you can do for MTCA. And we often answer that we love direct referrals since our business is almost entirely on word of mouth. So if you know someone who might benefit from our services, we would love if you let them know about us. That would be a great gift that you can do to us. But either way, another thing you can do, whether or not you know people directly to refer to us, is to write us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are super helpful for us in the algorithm to let future listeners who might enjoy the pod know about us, whether or not they might be prospective MCCA students. I always put that CTA, that call to action, at the end of the show, and I do a silly thing about... Five stars if you think this, five stars if you think that. But I realize some of you by then hear me and you go, I'm out of the pod. So I'm putting it at the front of the pod. There's a little bit just so that I can go and make an actual review for those of us sometimes who say, I love the pod. I listen every week. I go, great. Write me a review. <laughs> but for those who want to know what they can do, please, some reviews, some ratings. We love to see those. Even if it's, a, you know, the, your high school director who, who does like the musical, give them our information. And she, she may be able to put you know, this podcast playlist into the right hands. This is only a resource for all of our listeners, all of our students, and anyone else who wants to join us for this wild ride. This wild ride. Well, speaking of wild rides, let's jump into this wild ride with Kate Arecki from James Madison University. Well, we are honored to have Kate Arecki from James Madison University on the pod today. Kate has a BFA from Syracuse University and an MFA from Penn State. Uh, she's directed, choreographed, and performed all over the country, including places like Northern Stage, Syracuse Stage, North Shore Music Theater. She's on national tours of Joseph, Shenandoah, Henry V. Um, she was on faculty at Plymouth State University before becoming the Associate Director of the School of Theater and Dance and the Music Theater Coordinator at JMU. Uh, JMU is located in Harrisonburg, Virginia. They take about 275 total students. That's 150 theater majors, 50 music theater majors, and 75 dance majors, and offer degrees a BA in theater, BA in music theater, and a BA in dance. Kate, welcome on the pod. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Were you okay that I rounded down and up to 150 from 152 and 48? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I time. think that's totally fine. Yes. Okay, good. And this it fluctuates from year to year. I mean, it depends on, and that's like total students in each of those majors. And, yes. you know, some stu- some years it's bigger, some years it's smaller. I just think 152 as an approximate number is very funny to me. It was like, <laughs> just approximately 152. Just approximately 152. We won't say this for everyone, but just as a reminder, of course, that doesn't mean the classes have 150 people. In no, 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 no. For us, yeah, we for we aim for our first year incoming students, more like 12 to 16 in musical theater, mm-hmm. about 40 in theater, and around 75 to 80, or sorry, 22 to 25 in dance. Mm-hmm. 
Love it. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about your own background. It's just kind of catching me up to today where you are in this illustrious position. Um, <laughs> get, how, give me a little bit of the previously on episode in terms of, of how we are today. Yes, well, I was born. Um, so, um, so yeah, I grew up doing theater, I think like a lot of people did. My mom was a, a performer and a, a voice teacher. And so it, she d- would bring me to rehearsals and I would sit in the corner and watch. And at some point they eventually decided to put me to work. So sometimes I would sit next to the director and they would give me jobs like taking notes or mm-hmm. I got to run a light board when I was like 12, which is ridiculous, but um, it was like a two scene manual preset. So, <laughs> but um, um, and so I was involved in theater from the time I was really young and then decided that was what I wanted to do in college. And I went to Syracuse where I um, was in the BFA musical theater program And then when I graduated, I was in New York and I was working as a performer. And I sort of realized that once I was doing it professionally, that I liked rehearsing a lot more than performing. Mm. Um, And so I started to think about what that meant and what path I wanted to follow, because it was definitely still theater. And I decided to make the transition into directing and then teaching. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a few years assistant directing and then... um, Um, teaching at the high school I'd gone to actually. And then I went to Penn State for my MFA in directing. And when I finished that, I spent a few years um, freelancing as a director and then also doing some some work at Plymouth State University in New Hampshire. And then I came here to JMU in 2006 was my Mm. first year here. Um, And I wasn't sure when I came that I would stay for 16 years, but here I am 16 years later in my, I guess my fifth year, we moved into a gorgeous new facility, which helped a lot because the old facilities were mm-hmm. less than gorgeous. And so um, I think once that happened, it was sort of like, okay, this is not a bad deal. I love it. And I think it's such a good point for people to think about of like, you said I love rehearsals maybe more than I loved, you know, the the business of it all. I feel like that's true for a lot of people that they love making theater and they love the act of what it is to be in the rehearsal room and making art. But that's not necessarily what most of your day-to-day life is as you're like out pounding the pavement. Yeah. And I think too, what I've realized is that so much in like in educational theater is you rehearse for a very long time mm-hmm. and you perform for a very short time. Mm-hmm. And then when you are working professionally, that completely flips, which is what you want, right? You want to be working. But I realized once I was like, oh, we're still doing this show, huh? (laughs) And and I watched my friends who loved performing. And I realized I was like, yeah, that's, I don't feel that way. So let's Mm -hmm. figure out what I can do that would allow me to feel that way. Not to get too political on it, but like it is a little bit the American capitalist model of like yes. quick, quick, quick rehearse because we're not getting paid for that. And then lots of time getting, you know, like the Russian totally. model is like rehearse for forever. They do. They're before. like, it can. Re- we don't really care if it ever opens. Yeah. <laughs> I've worked at Hudson Valley Shakespeare for a number of years and they do that. They have long rehearsal process. And I was like, oh, that's the norm. That's how you should rehearse a Shakespeare play. <laughs> and you're like, that's just not, you don't get And then get you're like, okay, 10 days. There you go. Yeah. So true. So true. Um, okay. Well, let's dive into James Madison a little bit. And I'd love to hear from your 16 years of experience now. Um, what do you think it means to be a JMU student? What is sort of a th- common thread that you see in a lot of your students that say, this This is why you feel like you're a fit here? Yeah, I, it seems that the students who are kind of the most successful here and the really want to, you know, when they're making decisions, want to be here the most are students who are really passionate about the 
the art form and about performing and and performing in musical theater when it's musicals or or plays or if you're a designer. So they're really passionate about what I would call sort of their primary area in the arts, but they they're excited to be someplace where they have the opportunity to both dive deep within that primary area, but also expand more widely. Um, we have students it's who, um, you know, we have a musical theater major who's a senior who's a paid scene shop and costume shop assistant. Mm-hmm. Another student who um, also stage manages, a student who, for his senior thesis project, wrote an original musical that he has, he's directing, choreographing, musical directing students in right now. Um, and so the students who are here tend to really want to take advantage of being in an environment where they can really explore to become really multi-dimensional um, artists mm-hmm. and and what kind of work they want to create in the world. And I think the, the BA model here, because we're a BA program, not a BFA program, allows for a little bit more of that flexibility. Mm-hmm. So they definitely, you know, move together in musical theater as a class cohort in certain courses, but then, you know, how they sort of journey around how they fill out the rest of their schedule is really unique to each individual student. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I, I want to get in a little bit more into the sort of advantages of BA versus BFA. But before we sort of do the more expansive version of it, let's just talk about the theater training itself. So maybe from freshman year to senior year, for me, either, either as a theater major or as a music theater major, what am I learning over those four years? So take me a little bit through the, the curriculum. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, the musical theater major is probably a little more straightforward in the sense that students are taking musical theater performance classes with their class cohort. So that's a lot of acting the song and there's different goals for each course over the the four years, but they're all related to how do you approach musical theater performance with the tools that you can get from the text and the libretto and the music and movement and, and, and all of that. And so there's a series of courses that they take with their class cohort, including an auditioning class, which is part of that, and, a, and also a scene study class, a musical theater scene study class, and then a lot of solo work as well. And then I'd say within the acting training, that's both the theater major and the musical theater major, they're in those courses mm-hmm. together. That I would say primarily, it, most of the us follow more of an action-based system, but there's definitely a toolbox approach. So we're not like, we're a Meisner school where everyone's mm-hmm. going to do Meisner. So depending on each of the, those of us who teach acting and our backgrounds, experiences, and training, you're exposed to a lot of different ways of working over the four years um, with the goal of students really developing their own way of working because it's such an individual thing. Everyone's instrument is different and the Mm -hmm. way their brain works is different. Um, And so providing them opportunities to explore that over their four years. Um, And then all students are also in, um, for musical theater, they're in voice lessons, dance classes, um, musical theater performance, piano, music theory and ear training are all part of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And within theater, um, students, you know, students have the opportunity in theater if they want to pursue concentrations. So there's a performance concentration 
a design and technology concentration, a theater studies concentration, which also inc- which includes things like dramaturgy, playwriting, theater history, criticism, and then a theater education concentration that has two tracks. And one is a teaching artist track and the other is a K through 12 certification track where they also mm-hmm. apply to the College of Ed. Um, and so even though in musical theater, there are not those concentrations. We do have some students who are really interested in, let's say they really are interested in theater education. We haven't had anyone try to do the licensure track, but we've had students take the coursework in the um, the teaching artistry track or some students who are really interested in costume design. So they take like every single costume design course mm-hmm. they have, even though they're not officially a concentrator um, or adding a concentration in design and technology. So, um, yeah. Could you clean up a little bit for me in case someone doesn't know what an action-based school yeah. is? What do you mean there? Yeah. So I think it's um, in terms of um, whatever language you're choosing to use, but you're in a scene and you're playing a character and there's given circumstances and you are working to you know, behave truthfully under those imaginary circumstances, but that it's very goal-oriented. So you're working, if you're working from a text to really pull apart what you think your character might want overall, what they want um, scene by scene and moment by moment. Mm -hmm. And so helping people, you know, often those are called actions. Sometimes it's intentions, tactics are in there. So there's a lot of the same language that gets used to often Mm -hmm. describe the same thing. Um, But, um, but yeah, so I think most of us follow some kind of action based model, but then we also have some faculty who are, um, Viewpoints Trained, which is a way of working, Um, Mm -hmm. Suzuki, Laban, which is a movement system. I think most of us who um, teach voice and speech are link letter trained. And so you're exposed to a lot of those other areas. But in in the primary acting classes, it tends to be, what does your character want and how do you go about getting it? I love it. Beautifully explained. Um, If you were to say for the music theater program, especially, is there one of the disciplines that you feel like you focus more on? So is is it more of an acting based musical theater, more music based, more dance based? Uh, Is it equally all three? Um, Talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because in some ways I would say it's equally all three. But I think, you know, one of the things that within our program and and maybe it's part of it being a BA program is as a school can only require a student to have so many credits to graduate. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that students don't graduate with more than that number of credits. But so for us, within um, the 120 total credits that students need to graduate from the university, And most classes are three credit classes, some are four, some are one or two. So in terms of how many classes, that'll vary. Mm -hmm. But for us, 62 of those credits are required in the major in musical theater. And so, and within the requirements, I'd say it breaks down fairly equally. Probably ultimately students are taking more acting-based classes because the musical theater performance classes mm-hmm. are also about acting the song and then they're taking acting classes that don't have the music component. But for an individual student, what that looks like can be really unique. So mm-hmm. for example, we only require a student to take four dance classes to graduate because we can't there's no more credits that we can Uh require, but most students are taking at least one, if not two or three dance classes every semester, unless they're a student who is like, you know, dance might not be my thing. 
and they are taking more acting classes mm -hmm. or they declare music minor and they're taking songwriting and composition. We had one student who I think after they took maybe about five total dance classes, they were like, mm, I think I'm good, but they played like seven instruments. So mm -hmm. like they sort of had their other thing that was their thing. So that's, I think, where it can be flexible for the student because the opportunity to take more is always there. And even though 62 credits are required for a musical theater major in the major, most musical theater majors are graduating with more probably like 78 to 90 credits in the major because mm -hmm. of the additional coursework, more major related coursework they're taking. I love that. It leads me right to, you know, want to talk about those advantages of BA versus BFA or, or how it works a little differently. I guess I'd love to start with how many of the students at JMU do you feel like end up with more additional credits from the BA, more additional credits in a, some sort of theater major or maybe even some arts major versus students who might say, I'm doing musical theater and a lot of political science or music theater and a lot of something that's totally uh, unrelated. I Not unrelated, I shouldn't say, because yes, yeah, I just but, made a political point in oh. the middle of the podcast. But yes, <laughs> right, yes, know. yes. But not maybe it's like directly related. Um, I would say more of the students are taking the additional credits within something that is theater related, whether it's music, dance, mm -hmm. um, musical theater, theater related. Um, but we do have some students who choose to pursue a double major. So that is possible to do that here. And, you know, when I, when those, when I talk to those students or when students talk to other students about that, you know, what they talk about is that if they're going to do it, it has to be a double major that they really love, mm. that they end up taking a pretty heavy credit loads each semester because they also want to be taking additional performing arts classes. So they're taking mm -hmm. a lot of those and they're doing their second major. Um, and a lot of them are taking some summer courses to complete some general education requirements, or sometimes there's summer courses, depending on the double major, where they could take courses in the summer that could fulfill their double major mm -hmm. requirements. You know, there are some double majors that are not like nursing is just not going to be possible because that's like a professional uh -huh. <laughs> program. Business is difficult at JMU. So a lot of students, if they're interested in that, are much more likely to declare an entrepreneurship or a, or a general business minor. Mm -hmm. But most others are doable. We have a student right now who's a dual degree with computer science. And we have another student Ooh. who graduated in, I think, 2019, who had the same double major. Computer science and music theater. Yeah, you're like, there's not a lot of crossover there. That's but, really, there may be, there's a lot more political science than computer science crossover. Yes, 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 yeah. And, and I'd say, you know, maybe in each class, there might be, like in a class of 12, maybe there's one to three students who are pursuing a double major, it's much more common that students might pursue a minor. Mm -hmm. But even there, I'd say maybe you get another like three or four who are pursuing a minor and then uh -huh. some who are not, or their their minor is dance or music. Right. It, or, kind yeah. of creating that build your own music theater major of how much dance do I want? How much yes. adding more music, adding more of whatever the specialty of how I want my disciplines to look. Exactly. And there are even some musical theater majors who it's add on a theater minor, which basically mm -hmm. is like, if they're going to be taking those additional, a certain number of additional theater courses, it can actually go towards a theater minor. Mm -hmm. um, so they can, it can say it on paper as well. 
Mm-hmm. And then what about if I were a theater major? How does that work for me in terms of if, you know, I'm music theater curious as an actor? Yes. Maybe I'm someone who sings or I dance a little bit or yeah. I want a little bit of training or or maybe I want a lot of training in one of those areas. How does that work for me? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. You know, it's within the theater major, their major requirements come up to 40 eight credits as opposed to the 62 in musical theater. So they have a lot more electives already built into that 120 credits. And so a lot of those students who are interested in musical theater, um, but are a theater major, they will take additional dance classes. There are some voice classes specifically for theater and um, dance students in the school of music. Um, there's a musical theater performance class that's specifically for music majors and theater majors. That's the, a similar class, actually, to what the sophomore musical theater majors take. Um, but it's specifically for that population of student mm-hmm. of, of music and theater students. And so students can definitely, I think, in some ways, we don't have a musical theater minor, but between, you know, you can take a dance class and a voice class and a musical theater performance class and maybe musical theater history mm-hmm. and um, mu- music theories available. So a student does have options and all students can audition for all productions. So mm-hmm. it's not like only the musical theater majors are in music can be in musicals and only the theater majors can be in plays. Really cool. Um, let's talk a little bit outside of the theater program, just from the broader university as a whole. What do I get from going to James Madison? Yeah, so it's a big school. It's about 20,000 undergraduates, but it's a undergraduate-focused large school. So even though there are graduate programs, they're not the focus overall of the university. That doesn't mean if you're a grad student here, like you're not focused on by like mm-hmm. the teachers in the graduate program. Don't worry, we have no grad students listening. So just <laughs> I always just feel like I'm going to get in trouble with the grad school. <laughs> um, but it, to me, it actually sort of feels like a really big liberal arts college in the sense that like the campus as a whole, it's, you know, um, outside my window, it's it, yesterday it snowed, which was utterly bizarre. <laughs> or maybe the day before. Yeah, Monday it snowed. We were like, what? But, you know, there's the the classic quad and the mm-hmm. old buildings around the quad. And For those um, who aren't watching the video, there's sun streaming on Cape Yes, Space. yes, really there's sun coming in. Yes, it's dappling the room. Um, and so, um, you know, the university as a whole has a lot of resources for undergraduates. Mm-hmm. There's tons of student organizations, um, some that are actually also specific to the School of Theater and Dance. There's something like 12 to 15 acapella groups. There's multiple improv groups. Um, There's a lot of dance clubs on campus that some of them compete, some perform. So there's ways that students can really get involved. And some students are involved in Greek life. Um, So there's lots of opportunities to sort of get that college, broader Mm -hmm. college experience as much as a student wants to within, you know, the School of Theater and Dance structure. We can all agree that 12 to 15 is too many acapella groups, right? It's a lot of acapella groups. Not I have a acapella. rule, actually, that I don't go see any of the groups perform because it's not like all my students are in one group. They're in like right. all the you different have to see groups. 15 different groups. And so like, they, they used to here? do, I know, they used to do this thing where they would have like a concert that they do them all together that I hope they bring that back because mm-hmm. I would go to that and each group would do like two songs and I'd be like, you're all wonderful. I need like, I'm trying to think of a pitch perfect or a glee joke. I, I wanted I a James Madison. I, there's a pun there that's just right on the tip of my tongue that I'm yes, not quite there. Yeah. I'll, I'll think of it right as soon as yes. the episode's over. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about kind of professional opportunities. So let's say I'm graduating from JMU. What kind of resources are at my back in terms of, you know, getting an agent, if I'm moving to New York, those kind of stuff? Yeah. So, um, so while students are here, we have classes that are specifically focused on auditioning and professional issues. Um, there's one for the performance concentration. There's one for design tech concentration. There's a musical theater audition class. And then there's also the senior seminar class that all of the senior theater and musical theater majors take, which is looking at sort of like kind of maybe the broader um, ideas of the industry and the way the industry is working and where people might want to go. And they do a senior project as a part of that, which in a way is setting them up for something that they have that they've created um, when they graduate. And then we do a senior showcase prior to COVID. We had been doing an in-person showcase in Washington, D.C., probably for about uh, 2011 to 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we had started doing a New York showcase in 2019. And our 2020 senior Perfect showcase timing. was actually um, March, I believe, 9th or 10th, mm-hmm. 2020. Mm-hmm. And then we did a cabaret at 54 below the evening of March 11th. Oh, and you and shut then down New York City. You did I, we did. We fault. shut New York City. I was like on the train going back home the next day and it was like Broadway shut down. And then I got to Maryland. It was like Maryland shut down. I felt like it was in a disaster film. Yeah, It was like following me. Little did we know that we were in a disaster film. Um, so, you know, what we've done for the past two years with our senior showcase is a is a digital showcase. Mm-hmm. And so we are, you know, working last year, we worked with an outside professional videographer. And this year we have a, actually a graduating senior who's been working while he's a student here. He's been working professionally at American Shakespeare Center in Stanton as their like digital content creator. So mm-hmm. we hired him um, to do our senior showcase this year. And then Kate Lumpkin directed it um, with with him. And we're in the editing phase right now. So it's going to be launched soon. Super cool. And, and do the sense is that yeah. something that's continuing now, even as we might at some point get an in-person something coming Yeah, up? so I think that's what we're trying to, to gauge. And I would think that's what most schools are trying to gauge is sort of like how much did COVID permanently shift the industry? I mean, the self-tape thing is huge. Mm-hmm. And how much are agents and casting directors going to really be excited to go to in-person showcases if they can watch a really quality digital showcase in their living room? Um, I suspect, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep track on sort of what the, what's happening in the industry, Mm -hmm. but I suspect we'll keep some kind of virtual component because what that also gives each student is something that's like a well recorded crafted thing for their their own websites Mm -hmm. and so even i think if we add back in elements of the in-person showcase in dc or new york or we talked this year even about doing another like a 54 below cabaret or something like that Mm -hmm. and i think with covid being like it's gone it's not (laughs) it's that we kind of put it off and i'm not sure we're gonna do it for this year just Mm because we're not sure when it would happen because at this point the seniors are graduating. A lot of them have already booked jobs that start uh-huh. right after graduation. And I was like, well, what, do you, How dare like, they? 
Yeah. Oh, you have what to come to our, our 54 Below concert. You can't go. Exactly. How, how dare you go on that cruise ship job? Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you feel like is the best kept secret about JAMU? What's the kind of thing that, that you go, oh, people find this out later and they had no idea. They had absolutely no idea this was a, a feature of, of JAMU. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, I feel like the best kept secret of JMU is just like JMU. That <laughs> sometimes I think, I think because it's a BA and when people are looking at schools and there aren't a lot of BAs and they, they sort of have an idea of what they think a BA is that they, they just don't know about JMU. So sometimes I'm like, I think the best kept secret is that we exist, <laughs> um, which we're trying to get better about. But I think, I think that the level of opportunity for student here and at a, as a, pr a production opportunity, but also like within the coursework and just, I think we're a culture of like, yes, you have an idea, let's figure out how to do it. And so I think the fact that there's so much opportunity in terms of production and mm -hmm. I think the level of production sometimes surprises people. But so yeah, on our main stage, I, we do like two musicals, two to three plays, two to three dance concerts. And then we have a really active new work um, area. We have a lot of student directed. So there's usually like three to four student directed pieces that are supported each semester. There's also a workshop level of like four to six per semester of new works that kind of follow a uh, 29 hour reading model. Mm -hmm. And usually those are new works, but sometimes they're just students really want to explore a text. And so they, they go on that 29 hour model and those are performed as well. And so I think just the number of opportunities for students to be involved and engaged in things is probably maybe also a kind of like, I had no idea that was happening at JMU. I will say, if you are the secret, the secret's getting out. I'm telling you. We put you, <laughs> we put us at MTCA, we often recommend uh, JMU. As, and it's, I think, a pretty easy recommendation for students when, if they know they want that broader education. They go, oh, there's this exists. I mean, many people don't even know that that idea even exists of an audition based. Yes, I think that's maybe the piece that, yeah, I think that we're... And that people just are like, oh, I didn't even know that I could do that. Mm -hmm. And so I think for the students who want that kind of environment, it is, I, I like working someplace where we can provide that kind of opportunity for the student who wants it. Totally. Um, why do you find, especially this is so apropos to this time of year, we were started chatting before the pod about kind of where we are right now and it's April 20th as we record. Yes. Um, why do you find as students sometimes say, hey, thank you for the acceptance, but I'm going to go to this school. Why do you often find they end up turning you down? What what, what in the, the close decision makes them go, I'm going to go in this direction? Yeah, because I'll, I'll ask sometimes, and sometimes you can kind of just get a vibe, and other times I'll be like, or they tell you where they're going, and I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I would say some for some students, you know, something we've heard is that they were deciding between us and a school in a city, and even though technically mm -hmm. Harrisonburg is a city, it's not a city. Um, Harrisburg and so, is a city. Harrisonburg. Yes, Harrisonburg. Yeah, not so much. Um, it's more of a college town, you know, in a kind of rural area. Um, it's close to cities by about two hours, but it's not a city. So sometimes it's the I really want to be at a school that's in or a little bit closer to an urban environment. Mm -hmm. um, I think some students, even if they're excited about the idea of all the opportunities um, and the flexibility of a program like ours, they are not always as excited about the the gen eds they have to take. So in mm -hmm. a lot of BFA programs, you you just don't have to take that many gen eds. There are some where you do, where we're, we're comparable 
or maybe a little bit more, but at least comparable. Um, and so sometimes I think that's the difference for mm -hmm. them. I think sometimes it's finances. We're a state school. And so for in-state students, it's it's definitely a, a really good deal. For out-of-state students, it's not a horrible deal, but JMU doesn't have the level of scholarship money uh -huh. to give that some other schools do. And so even, you know, right now, you know, people are kind of reaching out and, you know, they're trying to make decisions. And yeah. and I'm I was like, I'm very envious about the amount of money that these other schools have to offer. Yep. But there's actually like this is all I can give you and no amount of negotiating will change it because mm -hmm. we don't have any more to give. So mm -hmm. I think those are probably the big three reasons why students are like, I really love JMU and I like the students and I like the community and I like this, but it's not going to work for me. I love it. Yeah. And I think some of those factors we often tell our students, some of those factors aren't things that aren't changing. So if they knew they wanted a city, you're like, well, then why did you apply? Or, you know, if you knew for sure you wanted a strong BFA, I'm like, well, then, but often what we always say is that often people don't know at this point no. early in the process. They yeah. do the wide net. And then yes, on purpose to kind of get a sense. And I, I think that's the other thing, you know, when I talk to students when they're juniors, you know, because that's this time of year is revisits for people who've been admitted and mm -hmm. early visits for high school juniors. Mm -hmm. You know, I say often, I'm like, if you think you might be interested, why not apply? Right. You don't, ha you don't, sometimes you don't know until you go through the process exactly what you want. Yep. And then once you have acceptances, then you can really look and weigh for what kind of environment you want. And through the process, you might discover it's so true. And really, that. we see that go in both directions. We see people say, well, I'm not ready to give up those gen eds. Or actually, no, I don't want, I want the the more intense conservative totally. gen ed situation. Yep. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about, you mentioned the in-state versus out-of-state yep. tuition idea. How does that work for you in terms of, you know, some schools after a semester, you can apply for a certain, are there any tricks in, you know, in terms of it's after a year, if my mom says she moves to Virginia? <laughs> Virginia's not great on the tricks um they're they're pretty like i've if i understand correctly like we're not even able to do things like out-of-state tuition waivers which other mm -hmm. schools can do mm -hmm. um they said it's the code of virginia which sounds so kind of the important and scary the, the i know is it a commonwealth the code of the commonwealth right, yes the code of the mm -hmm. commonwealth of virginia mm -hmm. um so i mean if your family does move here and and you know you're and you can get in-state tuition. Mm -hmm. My understanding as well is if while you're here, your family leaves, but like you've stayed here that uh -huh. your in-state tuition can stay. There is an appeals process, um, but I think it's a pretty high bar in terms of being able to demonstrate how self-supporting a student uh -huh. actually is. Uh -huh. And a lot of college students just don't have the financial Yes. ability to be self-supporting because <laughs> um, it, it's not just like a simple application for residency and no it's okay. not i mean like i know in utah if you like stay for the year yes. that's the great example yeah and it's like yeah. as long as you just stay there for one year you can be yeah. in state and i was like yeah. oh, oh i yeah. wish but no um, well, this was such great info. I can't wait we're gonna take a short break and then we're gonna dive into the jmu audition process great 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, we are back with Kate Arecki. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about the JMU audition process. And I'd love to start with just in general, what do you think makes a great audition for you? Yeah, honestly... I love it when students pick material that they love to do. I think a lot of times, and the same thing happens with our students once they're here, they're like, what should I do for this audition? And I'm like, what do you love to sing? Like, what material do you love? And sometimes they're like, they look at me blankly and they're like, but what do I need to do? And I'm like, I love whatever what- you love. I love yeah. whatever will make you <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, But so I definitely material that the student is excited about doing. I mean, usually things that are age appropriate in the sense of it's not for someone who's too young, Mm -hmm. nor is it something that's really dealing with like middle age and older Mm -hmm. issues. Um, And then I'm trying to think, we also have an interview as part of our process. So we talk with each student. And so I always want people to know that. So they're not surprised Mm -hmm. and, when students come and audition on campus, we have students here sort of with them during the day and the students are, you know, answering questions for them all day. And so sometimes, you know, a student will come in and as part of the interview, we'll ask them if they have any questions for us mm-hmm. and they'll be like, no, your students were great. They answered all your questions, which is good mm-hmm. to hear. Yay students. But I encourage that even if you've already asked the question, mm-hmm. just ask a question. Cause sometimes we're curious what the question might be. Uh huh. As just as much as like having the opportunity to answer it for the student. Mm-hmm. Totally um, makes sense. And yeah. just tell me about a little bit more about that interview process. Is it a more formal interview? Is it just like right after you audition, you sit down? Yeah, it's right after you audition. It's a pretty informal conversation. And, you know, what we ask will vary. Sometimes we'll see something on a student's resume that piques our interest or we ask to see an unofficial copy of high school transcript. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it'll be like, Oh, that sounds like a really interesting class or what classes do you like to do outside of your performing arts classes? Mm-hmm. It's really just trying to get at something about them. I'll ask like, is there a book or a movie or a television show or a podcast that I must, must, must see? You have to let me know the first time someone recommends mapping the college. Edition. I will 100%. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Like, sorry, I was just listening to Gavin Creel. On yeah. mapping the college edition. Immediate acceptance to the program. Yes. 100%. <laughs> um, what about, do you feel like there are any red flags that come up when you, if you're in an audition, you go, ooh, that happened. And it's just, it put a little bad taste in my mouth. It, it kind of gave me a little alert of, I don't know if that's the right student for me when I see this. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, 
the students are there to in, in the hallway to work with the students, with the students and to answer questions. But they're also, it's just, it's like in every audition, the audition monitor is sometimes also a little bit doing some recognizance. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think looking for people who are kind, that doesn't mean you have to be like, if you're a quiet person, that doesn't mean like, oh no, I have to talk and I'm not one who likes to talk before an audition, mm-hmm. but to not be unkind mm-hmm. <laughs> to others. Um, you know, the way people talk to the accompanist and, you know, sometimes I feel like I can tell the difference between they really just don't know and mm-hmm. they, they, they maybe do know better, but they don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I'd say that, but really, I mean, I think, I think it's a lot to expect, you know, mostly 17 and 18 year olds who are coming from really diverse backgrounds of experience and opportunity mm-hmm. and training prior to this process. You know, so for us, I think, you know, a student who doesn't know what they don't know because they just haven't had the opportunity to learn it yet. Mm-hmm. That's not a red flag for us. So that just is sort of a like, okay, they just, you know, they, they just don't know yet. I love that. I think that's really helpful for students to hear because I think they are often worried about some of those kind of like faux pas of ignorance when you're like, but that's not going to, no one's going to be mad at you. No, why would you know that? Yeah. If you, how could you know? You haven't gone to school yet. You're about to go for four years. Right. Totally. Especially with how nervous they're going to be if it's an early audition or, you know, all those things. Yeah. And sometimes too, like if, if, um, sometimes students, maybe they haven't, rehearsed with an accompanist they've been using a track and now they're mm-hmm. with an accompanist or they've always used the same accompanist mm-hmm. and so it sounds different and so they have to restart a few times and those I, like i know they feel like i just blew this audition but at least mm-hmm. for us that's not the end of the world we certainly saw that this last year as people yes. started coming back i mean it was like I, it was like have these students never were done this live and it's like oh no they literally haven't they've never no, done yeah that happened live. with our auditions for the fall shows this year i was sitting there and i realized like no one none of the sophomores last year in their performance classes because we were able to be in person but kind of hybrid and they were working with tracks Mm -hmm. and so i was like none of the sophomores know how to talk to an accompanist Mm -hmm. but then i was like and the juniors and seniors have forgotten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I was like, she just spent like five minutes at the piano talking to the companies. <laughs> so then in advanced um, musical theater performance right after that, I was like, okay, seniors, let's have a refresher. Refresh. Quick refresh. <laughs> I know how to do the thing. So we were thinking about that the other day of this for our juniors or, you know, a lot of our people listening to this are going to be rising seniors, you know, just finishing their junior year. This class of people have never done a musical outside the pandemic. So yeah. some of them, if their school wasn't doing a musical or if they're only doing it with masks or whatever, you know, different schools in different yeah. areas have different precautions. But from their freshman year, they will have had a pandemic. Yes. It's just, yep. just crazy. And then so many of the students who are here now, you know, the sophomores auditioned in person, but their whole freshman year was bizarre. Mm-hmm. The, the current freshmen so many of them auditioned from their bedrooms uh-huh. or their like basement rec rooms or wherever outside mm-hmm. <laughs> um, their nurseries as you yeah. will. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's wild just to see how much this is impacting 
things that you wouldn't think of. Um, let's talk a little bit about your video audition. So you ask for a supplemental video, but it's yeah. not a pre-screen for you. So yeah. some people use that word pre-screen when they actually kind of mean supplemental video, but I'd love to hear, what do you? What, how do you use that video? How's it used in the admission process? Yeah, so for us, we, we don't require pre-screen. We do follow the common pre-screen um, criteria just to make it easier for everyone mm -hmm. for the video submissions. And really also, that's also kind of what we model our live audition. So mm -hmm. you're not, the students aren't trying to come up with like 17 different versions of an audition. Um, for us, it's, I guess we probably use it, it twofold. And one is for reference. So, you know, we start auditioning people in November and we're auditioning people through February. Mm -hmm. And while we do make some decisions from those early auditions and those students might know if they apply academically early action, they might know in January if they're in their program. Mm -hmm. There are some other students who either deferred to regular decision or we don't feel ready to make a decision yet. And so having those supplemental videos there, sometimes just along with our notes can give us a sort of a person moving through space reminder of mm -hmm. what they, um, of, of who they are. Um, and then also inevitably what happens is we're someone's last audition. Our auditions end kind of early because of some deadlines from the admissions office. So we're like early to mid February mm -hmm. and we really can't go much later and they get sick and they don't have any videos to submit. Mm -hmm. And so by having already submitted those videos, if something happens, we can use that as a video audition. And then if we need to do a follow-up, we can do like a Zoom callback or something like that, like we would with any of the video, because we'll also accept video only auditions. Uh -huh. And then so you're it just helps a live us. interview follow-up. Exactly. Uh-huh. Love it. And I, I noticed that you, you say it doesn't have to be the same material that you no. perform. Do you recommend that it's the same? Do you recommend that it's different? Do you have any preference? a preference i mean i guess it could be a way for a student to share something else theoretically but you know for us it really is like a nice reference point of just like oh that's right that's what i meant when i said they sound like this is like a, a sound quality in their voice or mm -hmm. um so for us it, yeah it doesn't really matter because also sometimes you might submit those videos early and then completely do decide your material isn't what you exactly want or want to change it up. So we don't want people to feel locked in to what they mm -hmm. submitted. Let's talk a little bit about, so I, I, you mentioned the academic deadlines. Just So how does, for your school, how does it factor in in terms of if you really like a student artistically, how does that work then with the academic side of things? Of Is it a percentage of I get 50% vote or I get the final say or they get the final say? Is it about minimums? How does it work in terms of how you um, work through that? Yeah, so I would say for us, it's, kind of like side by side in a sense. So students apply academically to the university and they also use our application, the supplemental application and, and audition for us. And the academic admissions is looking at the students purely through the academic lens. We do make um, recommendations to academic admissions of the students we would like in the program. Mm -hmm. And that can help a student who might be on like borderline for them, you know, maybe they would have been a wait list, but now they feel comfortable with them being an admit or, um, or something like that. It can tip the scale to them being admitted. Mm -hmm. Academic admissions will tell us if there's a student that we really like who 
they really are just concerned they're not going to be academically successful at JMU. Mm-hmm. And, and they will say, we can't admit them. And so that's one of the reasons why we also asked even to see just an unofficial copy of a student's high school transcript, because it gives us a sense of, of a student who we might really love, but that we sort of look and we're like, I, I suspect this would be a no from academic wow. admissions. And then um, academic admissions is, you know, for students that we might not admit to the program, but the students admitted academically, um, they can be admitted academically to JMU. They can choose mm-hmm. to come to JMU in another major. Some students do that and will re-audition, or sometimes if they've only auditioned for musical theater, mm-hmm. they'll um, come to JMU and then they'll audition for theater um, once they're here. And so, and some actually, I think I've seen some students who come to JMU and I think they kind of over the course of the process realize that maybe performance isn't what they were interested mm-hmm. as interesting to them as they thought. And so they come to JMU in a totally other major and sometimes they end up minors or they're here peripherally, but. I was going to ask that. I forgot in the top half, I was going to ask about non-majors. Do they have the ability to take, because a lot of conservatories won't let non-majors come into an acting class. You have to be a BFA acting major, a BFA yep. theater major. Is If I'm a non-major, can I take an acting class at JMU? Yeah. So yes, you can. I, I encourage students that if they're interested, that they declare a minor and you don't have to audition for a minor, mm-hmm. but it gets you an advisor in the department and it gets you on the kind of like email list, which the students love and hate. It's the way we give them inter- like information, but they're like, oh my gosh, it's another email. We, never read, we know our students don't read their email. I know we they know don't. That's the we biggest know. thing. I'm like, read your email. Um, but so um, minors, students can audition for productions and they can take classes. Majors have priority. And so mm-hmm. there's um, usually a point by which um, minors are closed out of certain classes, but then it'll open up if there are spaces available in classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are some classes like um, the musical theater performance class sequence of courses is only for musical theater majors, but mm-hmm. the class like the musical theater made course for theater and music students is open to minors if there's seats available. Yep. And so there are some things like that. It's same with dance classes um, dance, musical theater, and then theater have priority, but then dance minors have priority after that. Totally makes sense. Um, I forgot to ask you my favorite question, which is about the artistic decision. Um, I just love to hear as you're, you're weighing the idea of a yes or a defer or a waitlist or, you know, sort of making that artistic decision for you, how much of it is based on the musical theater skill that you see? So the, the skill in the songs and the monologues and the dance versus those intangibles like an interview and you know, what kind of person they seem like and the question that they ask and how much feels like it's in one camp versus the other in terms of getting you to a yes or to a defer. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I think there's some, I would say like there's a base level of skill and for each student that might be a little bit different. You know, Mm -hmm. there are very few, there are some, but there are very few 17 year olds that are true triple threats Mm-hmm. There are some, but but that's that's a lot that of opportunity to develop in those three areas and have those resources in a relatively short period of time in their lives. I think there are very few thirty five year olds. Who oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yes, one at all three. Yes. So for us, I think you know when we're looking at the different areas, the the acting, the singing, and the dancing, I would say most students are either very strong in singing or dancing with, you know, they are with 
potential in the other two. Mm-hmm. Um, some might be like strong in two out of the three. Um, so we're sort of looking at that way for the students that come in and are really strong in acting, but maybe at this point are not ha- as strong in singing and dance. Often we find that the theater major might here might be a better fit for them and they mm-hmm. get the opportunity to develop in, in some of those other skill sets while they're here through the courses that are available. Um, but I think the other piece, it really is the sort of the intangibles of, is this a student who based on, you know, it's hard. We only are sitting with these students for maybe like 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the students, you know, what are they articulating as the goals, the kind of program they might want to be in, the things that interest them? I feel like that gives us a sense of whether or not we think we might be a good fit to help them meet those goals or have that experience. And so I think we take that into account is that if we think this is a place where we would be able to help them or this environment would be one that would help them meet those goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask you my last question on the audition, which is just if you have any audition advice for maybe especially for a prospective junior, given that our seniors really are, are done with the auditions for the year, as they're beginning this process and as they're looking at auditioning for your school, what would you kind of advise them to do? Yeah, I, I mean, I do think that there's that piece of like really trying to find material that you love. And if, I, you know, someone suggests material to you that could be great material for you, but it's not resonating with you, it's it's probably not the material that you want to use because you're going to live with it quite potentially through like an entire audition season. And so if you if you're not excited about it, in August, you're probably really not going to be excited about it come February. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you're looking for that kind of material. Um, well, can I burrow down yeah. on that a little bit? Because I think a lot of, I'm kind of speak for my students here who might say, what is love really? I know. You know? Yeah, I get it. Because <laughs> I, I really, a lot of our some students go, great, this is easy. I, lo- I love this song. I love this song. I'm in love. And they can fall in love with anything easily. Just like it's people who fall in love with people easily. Yes. More <laughs> difficultly. But definitely a lot of our students, I think they've heard that advice. They've heard, be your authentic self. It's our motto. Yeah. So something They've heard that. And they've heard, do material you have to love. Almost everyone's going to say something like that. But I think it's difficult for a 17-year-old to know, is it love at first sight? What does love mean? Is yes. it, it feels safe with it? Like, I, I don't know that they know. So I guess yeah, like how to, how to almost like what's the it. rubric to discern that, right? And when, yeah, when do I know that I'm in love? Because it's just like in human life. In, in life, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I don't know, no, I'm well over 17, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some different with the ways. I think sometimes students are like, I must belt my highest notes to show them I can sing this note. Therefore, I must find material that does that, regardless of whether the story is interesting to me or I particularly like the music. And so I think, I guess that is a rubric to look at, but, you know, I'm I'm like, we can vocalize you to see if you can sing higher. Um, I I, I think it's like, is the story fun to you? Is there something in the story of the material that you want to communicate or use Mm -hmm. to communicate? Because then 
as you continue to kind of dig down into it, there's going to be more and more for you to discover as Mm -hmm. you continue to do it. So even if you're not like, I love, love, love this song, but at least you're like, wow, there's something in this lyric that's exciting to me or the story or the character's point of view, or I just love this melody sometimes too. Like there's Mm -hmm. something in that that really speaks to me. And what does that tell me about what's going on with the character? But I'd be able to live with it and, 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 for a longer period of time. I, I think that is a great explanation, definition. Something, I was talking about something about curiosity, something about, you know, just like a real person where you don't go, I know everything about this person after the first date. I'm like, right. probably not someone you want to spend your life with. If you're not like, I could keep talking to them and learn more things. And I'm so, you know, you, you want yeah, to- Yeah, yeah. If the first date and you're like two minutes, you're like, all right, that was great. No, um, I get her. I get her very well. This is who yeah. she is. Got it. Great. Yeah. It's knowable in, in one date. Um, I love it. Let's just do a little bit of sort of looking back and looking ahead as we wrap up. Um, I'd love to talk about some of the specific challenges. We were talking about it a bit with what the students have gone through. But in terms of James Madison, some of the specific challenges of the past few years, what adjustments have you made, um, you know, over the past couple of years? Yeah. So, um, you know, when we all went home in March of 2020, obviously, like everyone else, we just sort of very quickly learned how to use Zoom. Um, and, you know, I think, I think most of us would say that spring of 2020 just felt like a by the seat of your pants sort of experience of doing the best you could, um, and, and, and with a bad circumstance, you know, for us, once we kind of got a sense that like everybody else, we were like, oh, great. It'll be like three months or like two weeks, four weeks, three months. And then we're like, nope, I guess it's longer. So JMU made the plan that we were coming back um, in the fall of 2020, but that there would be courses, some would be online, some would be hybrid, so partially online and partially in person. And so we spent the summer at that point setting up all of our, we, we, we knew we weren't going to be able to do production in the traditional sense in terms of audiences probably in the spaces, at least not for the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so we converted our main stage and our studio theater performance spaces into classroom spaces because they there was more ability for physical distancing. We got um, 180 degree cameras that could be in all of our classrooms and moved around the spaces. So sometimes for a dance class, for instance, like half the students would be on the main stage with the instructor and some other students would be in another classroom dancing and on watching on video and this or in their kitchen. So, you know, we kind of did all of that setup, And then really the only performance stuff we did in the fall was like 100%, like they were making music videos or like short films and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And then in the spring, we were able to do some production. Some of it was still fully digital, but we did a production of Godspell outside and then had it professionally recorded and streamed. Same with the dance concert. And then we did an original play that could only seat like, 12 people in the theater, but we recorded it and then streamed it. So how many people come see a play anyway? Let's be honest. I've been to Broadway and that's how it works. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, well, maybe more people saw it through the streaming then. So, um, and so like that was sort of like, you know, 2020, 2021, but this year has been pretty back to, I would say this year has been pretty back to normal for us. Like Mm -hmm. we're at, And have been all year at full capacity in our classrooms, in person, 
Um, in the fall, we were wearing masks in classes, although we did have some permission in singing classes if they were singing a solo and we had plexiglass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like that's how we did our auditions too, so they could the student could take their mask off. Mm-hmm. Um, we were rehearsing masked, but we could perform unmasked, and that was probably all the way through the once, which we did in as, in March, and then just recently they lifted the masks in classrooms as mm-hmm. well so people can wear them but they don't have to mm-hmm. um and so now it's you know we're c- continuing to perform on masks so this year has actually felt relatively normal but i would say that some of the things that we learned from the pandemic i think we spend in all of our classes a lot more time on the self-tape aspects but also how do you translate? I think a lot of the students are like, they'll even say it. They'll be like, I felt like I was a little bit in today performing like I was in a Zoom box and I need to remember I have a body and I can move mm-hmm. around the space. And so, you know, I think we, we talk a lot more about the difference between kind of a self-tape or a, or a virtual kind of Zoom audition and, you know, a performance in a live space or an audition in a, in a live space. I love it. And what about the 2022-23 audition season? Do you, do you have a sense of, are there still going to be some virtual auditions? Are you going to be back to live? You know, Yeah, yeah I would say we were live for most of our auditions this year. We had, we've always accepted video submissions, but I think we were more transparent about that fact and, mm-hmm. um, and, and set the system up a little more easily for students to do that. Whereas um, in the past, it would be video as a last resort. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If they really couldn't come. Yeah. Um, and so, and then we did have a virtual day, which they were doing a live audition over zoom. So we had some of that. I suspect that I think we'll continue with accepting the video submissions. And, and I think we might continue with having at least a virtual day. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge there is sometimes, um, a t- an issue of timing in a way, just because of the way our, our season for auditions in the spring semester is relatively compact. There's really Mm -hmm. only about a month while we're in session where we can plan auditions and putting a virtual day in there. It's for students who want to come to campus to audition. It kind of like takes that away. So Mm -hmm. we tried a a half and a half day this year, which kind of worked okay. Um, So, but I do think there's a benefit for students to be able to submit a video audition if they so choose mm-hmm. or to have some kind of a virtual option. It cuts down on travel. Um, I think from like an equity and access um, mm-hmm. standpoint, it, it just opens up more opportunity for students. So true. Um, if people want to follow and hear more from you, um, we know we can do at JMU Musical Theater on Instagram. Um, yes. Are there other ways that we'd want to reach out or, or you know follow up with you personally or follow up with the school? Yeah, sure. I mean, people can always email me at my email address, which um, I can spell if you'd like, or I don't know if you put we'll it We'll put it in the, the show notes. Yeah, they'll yeah, just click perfect. it. It's, yeah, know. I was like, because it's, yeah, once I spell it, no, that's interesting to listen there's to. She a bunch spelled. of C's, there's an H in there somewhere. Exactly, in the K and an M, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, and I try to answer emails as quickly as I can. Um, you know, we have, we haven't scheduled them for next year yet, but we do schedule certain visitation days that students can come and have a tour and talk to faculty and students um, while they're making decisions about where to apply. Mm-hmm. Um, for students who've been admitted, they're kind of a little bit more robust, usually with opportunities to sit in on some classes. Um, 
we used to do something with an overnight in the dorm, but with COVID, we haven't done that. And I don't know if we'll go back to that exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of, yeah, we have a new um, director of admissions for the College of Visual Performing Arts and who started actually, I think like March 23rd. And so, oh yeah, we're like, welcome <laughs> uh, to the middle of it. So um, I think we're going to have some conversations about those kinds of things moving forward. Well, it was such a pleasure getting to chat with you, Kate. Thank you. You too. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. Oh boy. I hope you enjoyed listening to Kate as much as I enjoyed chatting with her. I found her to be a fun and warm, intelligent, and easy-to-talk-to guest. Um, As far as a takeaway, we got into a few things pretty deeply, though I do think there's still plenty of meat on the loving your material bone. Hopefully we'll get into that with future episodes. And I think we have talked a lot about the BA slash BFA differences. So if you want to listen back to previous episodes, we talked a lot about that and the spectrum and all those things. Um, So I thought I'd expand a bit on the mistakes of ignorance discussion we touched on. Um, This is really kind of more of an esoteric discussion than it's like so helpful or important to those of you who are listening to a podcast like this, but I thought I'd go into it. Um, In an earlier episode, we talked a little bit about the structures of an audition as a way of kind of understanding the basics of what happens so a student won't be surprised with what could happen in their audition room. And that's one of the aspects of quote unquote audition technique. If we're going to separate that skill from your artistic work itself, I do think it is worth noting in all of this that the most important aspect of learning all of this is only so that you feel comfortable in your artistic work. I think students often overemphasize the importance of something like audition etiquette, that's not how you say that, of something like audition etiquette, if I'm putting that in quotes. We're going to leave that in just so you can see that I made a mistake of etiquette, which is the kind of thing that could happen. It makes you seem human, right? Um, I find it helpful to teach the basics of it, you know, of what the etiquette is and how the back and forth might happen, just precisely so students aren't thrown off and then become unable to do their best work in their pieces. And not because making a mistake like that is actually going to necessarily make a difference in your admission decision. To Kate's point of what she was talking about, it could throw you off if you had to stop and start because you didn't quite cue the accompanist correctly. But most of these schools will understand that that's what's happened. And then if you do fantastic artistic work, they're not going to say, but it did take them cueing the accompanist again, right? But, you know, they understand you are amateurs in all of this. And this is often your first time doing this insane process. And I think that's especially true of schools that have early auditions, right? If you're doing something in the fall of your senior year, we know you're likely not as experienced at this as you will be many auditions later. Um, other examples of stuff like mistakes of ignorance, as I'm calling that, it could be something like having your sheet music prepared imperfectly, or sometimes I'll even say it's not about imperfect. It may just be a different format than how one accompanist likes it with one kind of sheet protectors, one of it likes it with tape, one of it likes it, et cetera. That's a whole a deep rabbit hole we could go down. Um, sometimes it's about wearing the wrong clothes or the wrong shoes to a dance audition compared to your peers who all seem to have one kind of thing and you have a different kind of thing. It could be about the way you slate your pieces. It could be about doing your pieces in an unconventional order. Could be the format of your headshot or resumes, not quite how other people's headshot or resumes are formatted. It could be your material doesn't exactly meet a requirement, whether it's about timing or it's about the time period of the material in terms of what they've asked for. All of these things, it is, of course, better to have right than wrong, quote unquote, right, right? And the goal is to walk in comfortably and ace all of your auditions in every aspect. You would never like intentionally slack on one of those things just because you're like, well, Charlie said it doesn't matter. So whatever, I don't have to worry about audition etiquette. But for those of you who are newer or maybe don't have the resources of a place like MTCA to help you with all these specifics, I just want to say it does not mean that you're automatically going to be a cross-off 
at your auditions. If they say, oh, Charlie made a mistake of audition etiquette, he's out, right? Um, I would focus first and foremost on artistic excellence within your pieces. Those pieces, of course, you have to love, as Kate said, um, as opposed to worrying too much about kind of audition do's and don'ts. It's one of the reasons I'm even hesitant to ask the question of like, are there any red flags? Or I used to say, is there anything you don't want to see in your audition room? Because I think students focus too much on the don'ts as opposed to what are what are the do's? What am I actually going to walk, walk in and do? I do find they're often interesting answers, so I'm continuing to ask the question, but that's why. Um, you have to remember, schools are looking for talent and ability and interesting human beings to work with as students more than they're looking for someone who will check every box correctly exactly as they like it. Well, if this episode checked every box for you and you absolutely loved it, we would love it if you give us a rating or review. Um, we suggest five stars if you agree that 15 acapella groups is just too many and an ironic five stars if you have a fever and the only cure is more acapella groups. If you're interested in working with MTCA for help with your individual prep for your college audition journey, please check us out at mtcollegeauditions.com. You can also reach out to Megan and me directly and contact us in oh so many ways. All of that info is in our show notes. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.